got to go quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, oh you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Inner Circle podcast. Sherelle McMahon and Bianca Chatfield with you. Well, B, we're through the semi-finals weekend, and although both games were decided by double-figure margins, there was still some pretty good netball. They were some absolute, like, exciting games, I think, especially in the lead-up to them all. And, Sherelle, it's good to see you've got a smile on your face this week. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't smiling last week. Is that what you're trying to say? as much as you oh, are right. today. Okay. <laughs> Let's touch on, though, the first game, Lightning taking on the Swifts. I mean... I don't think, and talking to the other commentators who were commentating that game, they were saying that the, the TV didn't do Laura Langman's performance <laughs> justice. They were saying that she, I mean, it looked like she was amazing during that game, you know, from that first intercept she took. But apparently she was just unbelievable in person to watch how good she was. Yeah, I was watching one passage of play and it kind of looked like it was in fast forward. Like that's how quickly she was flying through court. She was amazing and now we haven't heard exactly what her plans are for the future. Yeah. Um, I, I just, it would be really sad to lose her to netball in, in some ways because She's in such great form. So who knows where she'll be, but surely she'll continue playing in some way or another. Oh, you would hope so. Now, to all the Inner Circle fans who tweet us all the time about the guests that we're going to have on, like we love all of those tweets that we get. And a lot of you do say, go and get Laura Langman. We want to hear from Laura Langman. And I just want to promise you that I try and get Laura Langman. We have been trying. I send her messages quite regularly, probably you could almost say I stalk her a little bit and <laughs> Laura and I were having a laugh this week because she said she's avoiding us. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, Lightning always have training when we are recording our podcast. So that's why it hasn't been working out. But we are trying and I promise you that we will get her, even if it's at the very end of the season, <laughs> to wrap up that grand final. I don't know, but we will get her at some stage and if you want to, please stalk her online as well. Yes. Get on socials. Tell her she needs to come on the inner circle. And Nolene, maybe let's just adjust your training times. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, we could adjust our studio times. Yeah, but that's true. I think it's easy. Uh, do you know the other um, person that we have been desperately trying to get on all year, and the training times have been clashing is Jeeva Mentor. Yes. Um, and Giants, so- Magpies, and Lightning <laughs> all train at the same time that we record. Yeah. So we, you know, Kim Green, we were lucky to get hold of last week because. Unfortunately, their season ended and the situation is similar for Jeeva this week, that she is free now this week uh, after the, the semi-final loss to the Magpies. So we're very much looking forward to checking in with her and um, not only about her experience at the Magpies, but of course her experience with the England Roses through that World Cup campaign. Definitely. And Jess will ask her about her book because I know yes. she's always out and about promoting it. And <laughs> if you have read it, I'd love to get you thoughts too on that what you think about it um I've only started it I haven't actually finished it yeah yet, I haven't so read it yet either I need to get stuck into that yeah so um you know you mentioned the lightning and Laura Langman she was named MVP and as you mentioned um she was incredible to watch um both on the TV and mm. live no doubt but it could have been 
a number of other players in that team that could have been named MVP. They just had an outstanding performance all over the court. Now, the Swifts did stick with them, obviously, in that first half. Um, and they played some great netball as well. But in the end, um, the Lightning just were far too strong all the way over the court. And one player that I think is really underrated is Laura Sherian. Yes. As, you know, a wing attack. I've got her written down, absolutely. She goes under the radar. She does her (laughs) job week in, week out. She's also been a part of the Lightning in the last couple of years. So she's, you know, back-to-back premiership uh, winner. And I... I feel like the the work that she does allows Laura to play the way she does. You know, they work so well hand in hand. Um, and I always remember Laura Sherin when she was a young player. She was one of the only players that could use both her right and left yes. hand just as well as each other. She'll feed on her right and left hand. And not many netballers no. can do that or no. can do it confidently. Whereas because she's a lot shorter, she's had to teach herself to do that. And and her mum used to coach at the AIS. She used to be coach of the Queensland Firebirds. So no doubt she's had a long upbringing of, you know, being able to practice those skills. But when she's out there in the grand final, just, just take a closer look at the amount of work that she does. Yeah, and it's not only just that work and you talk about that feed into some of those passes that she put into the circle were incredible and I think, you know, they've the Lightning have um, a, a great strength in that shooting end and great flexibility. And um, Cara Conan was a standout performer again for, for the Lightning. She shot 30 out of 32. And, um, you know, going last year from really having minimal court time yeah. to, to stepping up now, she is certainly one to watch for the future. I think that she has just relished those opportunities that she's been given. Um, and now, you know, she's she's putting Peace Proskovia on the bench to start the game. And that's no mean feat because Peace um, is an incredible player as well. Now, this is a question without notice and I'm quickly looking up the answer. Oh, um, <laughs> oh right. Okay. That's why I'm on my phone, Cheryl. I'm not ignoring you. Uh, but I wanted to, is Kara Conan contracted to the Lightning next year? Yes. She is. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, she's one of the players that I think every single team would yes. be after to have such a versatile and very tall. When I stood next to her at one game, I couldn't believe how tall she was. Really? Yeah. yeah so okay. she'd be about 190, I think. Yeah. So to have a player like her is such a valuable asset to a team. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that she has been locked away by Lightning. Um, so that is good news for them, no doubt, given given the performances that she's put out. Of course, their defence and we always speak so much about them and, and the work that they've been able to do when they just continued on with that. Um, it was a, another great performance by Carla Pretorius. Oh, yeah. They're magical to watch. They are. How they combine together. And yeah. even if it's not Carla Pretorius getting the ball, it's Malwini putting getting her hands to it. Uh, it's it's really good. But one thing I don't want to do, and I, I know you don't want to do either, but I, we don't want to discount the Swifts. Absolutely not. Because they obviously didn't win that game. And they have been struggling with momentum over the last couple of weeks. They have been just finding their feet. They just don't seem to have that edge that they have had in the past. But I still think that they are a team that can make that grand final. You'll come up against them with the Vixens this weekend. Um, And with them, it's just like the connection is not quite there that we've seen probably during the season. And it doesn't take much to find that connection. Do you agree? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, I said it just before that they 
um, were only two goals down at half time. Mm. So this was not, you know, I think some some of the commentary around it has been oh, lightning were amazing and yeah, blew the Swiss out. About the Swiss. <laughs> and no, they absolutely they were not blown out of the water at all. The Swiss in this game. Um, it was just the Lightning had a couple of moments where they were able to pull away. Haythornthwaite for me has been just growing each week she steps yeah. out there. So I thought she was a real standout for them. And Sarah Clow, although Cara Conan did have a fantastic game, Sarah Clow is still getting her hands on a lot of ball. So, you know, there's a lot of strength through that Swiss lineup and um, there is something to really like about the way they're going about it this year, mm, isn't there? That's right. Let's talk about Vixens and Magpies. Shaz, you had a front row seat to that game. I and did. obviously, uh, probably I imagine an in- intense preparation in the lead up for the Vixens after what they've been through over the last few weeks and losing to the Magpies by 11 goals in round 14. Can you take us through you know, what the week was like, what that main training session was like. Could you tell before the game that they were going to put on that first quarter or play in that first quarter like they did? Uh, Well, talking about the week, it wasn't too um, outside what we would normally do. You know, the structure and everything was pretty similar. Uh, so there was there was nothing really that that stood out. I mean, you you look back at the the game that we played against the Lightning only a few weeks ago that we were up by eleven goals, I think it was at half time. So, you know, it wasn't a performance that was completely out of the box, um, but it was one that we were wanting to get our hands on because we just knew it was there, um, and there was an intensity that was missing from the way we were playing the game and the way we wanted to play the game in the last few weeks leading into finals. Um, And so that was kind of the focus. There there were certainly a few areas, you know, having the game against the Magpies and then a week later again. I think that that helped a little bit because we saw what we did that worked and what we did that didn't work and we were able to make some really clear adjustments on that and we did. Um, but largely it was down to a, an intensity thing. And I know that's a it's a bit of a fluffy word because it's hard to kind of get your hands on, but um, there was a purpose with how they went about the defensive pressure all over the court and the way they moved the ball through and um, using space – uh, that perhaps is not the A-grade game, that you're the, your first option, but being smart enough to know that there actually are some different spaces that you could use. I think that that's what they did really well on the weekend. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, for all those in junior levels of netball when you, you're coaching, we always talk about having more than one lead to the ball. And that's what stood out to me. Every single time a Vixens player had the ball, there was at least two other leads, so other options for them to go to. Whereas I think the week before, that didn't happen. Mm. There was only ever one. And if that one was covered, then that's where you got yourself in trouble. On the flip side, that's what Magpies couldn't do. They Mm. always only seemed to have one person driving for that ball. They didn't have the same connection this week. And um, I could tell just from the warm-up, just the – different intensity and connection that the teams had because magpies and we can talk to Jeeva about it a little bit more but magpies just seem to be going through the motions during the warm-up vixens had a purpose and I don't know if that's just you know what I took out of it but to me it was very obvious that you guys were going to come out there and absolutely belt them in that first quarter Um, because it was it was a huge first quarter yeah it was it really was do you think and I asked Lizzie Watson this yesterday on our vixens podcast do you think there's a bit of a difference in that there's you're not worrying anymore about the bonus point? There's a bit of a different take on how you play the game at the moment. Less pressure maybe. Um, 
Maybe I actually didn't hear what Liz thought about this, Come but on, sure, I'll um, tune in. <laughs> maybe I haven't haven't had time. I definitely do tune into uh, the Here If You Need podcast. I love listening to netball podcasts all over the place. So, um, yeah, I, I, maybe maybe it shifts slightly, but I mean, you, you're always wanting to put your best performance out in every quarter, anyway, yeah, of aren't course. you? And you kind of. Yeah. You know, you you almost want to have the attitude that you you reset and you're back at zero and you just want to push on again. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, Lizzie said, just <laughs> she did say, she said usually sometimes she's on court and they're like just the extra stress and stress and pressure. She said of sometimes looking at the scoreboard and trying to work out if they're <laughs> up or they're how many they need to win by. And she's like, it was actually good to play without thinking about that for a while. So, yeah, there you go. That's the answer. (laughs) Something that perhaps they need to look at for next year if the bonus point system um, is still in play. But it was an interesting one. And, you know, I've been having a a little bit of a look through social media commentary and there was one quite funny suggestion that the Vixens were foxing in the last game of, no pun intended, um, in the last game, um, last round game against the Magpies and letting them win so that they could, like that is just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard to suggest that, um, you know, we weren't putting our best foot forward. That That is not what happened in that final <laughs> round. and it. But it is a really kind of interesting thing because it's a huge turnaround yeah. um, from one week to the next. And, you know, the Magpies had everything to play for in that, in that final game. And for the Vixens, we'd secured third position. And certainly it was not in any way a conscious thing, but you do just wonder if the mental preparation is just slightly different. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, but certainly there was a, a real focus and intensity from um, from the girls on the weekend, and you know it'll take that again against the Swifts. We me- we mentioned um, them and how well they've been doing all season, and they'll be smarting. Um, you know, going into the game against the Magpies on the weekend, no one picked the Vixens. No, no, no one picked the Vixens. No. They were all thinking that this momentum was on the side of the Magpies and that they'd get it done. Um, and, you know, people have been tipping against the Swifts too and thinking that they can't possibly pick themselves up and go again. But, you know, as, as we know, none of that matters. None of any other commentary, none of what's happened beforehand matters. It only matters what happens on the day and the performance that you put out there. And the Swifts and the Vixens, well, you know, they both have the team to be able to do that on the day. Yeah, and, and really the team that's going to go through to challenge Lightning – they need to be able to get it done, bring that intensity, bring that performance. You you know, I feel like Lightning, yes, they've got the momentum, they've been playing really well, but they are beatable still. And so I feel Swifts or Vixens, if they bring their best performance, they can easily beat the Lightning. I don't think that's, you know, a foregone conclusion that they're going to win three in a row. No, definitely um, not. Because we haven't really seen them challenge much other than probably when that last game that you played them, the Vixens played Lightning, it didn't end the way that you wanted to. They kind to. of responded quite well when they were under pressure, didn't they? They certainly <laughs> did. But that first half was pretty incredible to watch. And, and I mean, we we need to talk um, too about uh, probably the emotional toll, I think, that magpies have been going through. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, that's why I wanted Jeeva on. She put up a post on Instagram talking about some of the struggles that they've been through and none of us really understand. So hopefully she'll elaborate a bit on mm. that, about what they were going through and how they've been able to get themselves up for the the weeks before the final anyway. Yeah, because outwardly, outwardly we know some of those uh, struggles. We, we've now heard that Natalie Medhurst was playing with broken ribs and the loss of 
um, their uh, coach, Rob Wright's mother. So there was, a, you know, we we outwardly know some of the struggles that were happening. So perhaps there's some other things that Jeeva, Jeeva can elaborate on. Um, just one interesting point um, I wanted to make before we do get on to Jeeva. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the netball heading to um, the state netball centre in Ooh, Melbourne yes. against with for the game for the Vixens and the Magpies, and um, you know that not enough, you know, the people that wanted to go wouldn't be able to go. But it was actually not a sellout, no. which was quite a shock. Not even three thousand people. Not even three thousand people came, and that's on the back of an average crowd of six thousand for the Vixens this year or, or thereabouts. Um, and so it, it was a really interesting one for me um, that the the crowd didn't come. And mm. well, I w- think was it the ticket prices because they well, the, yeah, so they were higher. Premium tickets were a hundred dollars each. Yeah, well, which even is more. a lot. Yeah, and even then more than that. Father's Day as well. Throw that in, and also the State Netball Centre. Parking is impossible unless you got there, I think, before 11 30, 12 o'clock. You had to pre. So, yeah, you had to pre book that. Parking, yep. It's not easy to get to by public mm. transport either. So, yeah, I think it's unfortunate. And the venue, and probably the media around too, that the it's going to the Netball Centre, it's going to be hard to get tickets. It's not going to be easy as mm. if you go to Melbourne Park. Potentially that deterred people too. Yeah, that's right. It was still a great atmosphere. Well, like, oh, in it the was. stadium, I mean, that's it for sure. Probably worked very much in the Vixens' favour. Well, I think. potentially, <laughs> potentially. Hey, one last thing. This is another bit of exciting news that I saw. Um, they've just announced uh, the Birmingham Commonwealth Games organising committee have just announced that in 2022, when the Com Games are there in a few years, the netball will be moved to NEC Arena. Um, due to the growth in popularity of netball That's over there, great. that is a 16,000-seat stadium. Awesome. So previous to that, it was not scheduled to be held there. It was in a much smaller venue. So they've responded to the excitement that sat around the World Cup over there and the um, interest that's being shown. So I think that that is a huge win for netball generally and a really exciting thing. Oh, absolutely. I think that's great. Imagine that. Imagine playing in front of 16,000. Yeah, I think cool. what's the biggest we played in front of at... Um, Sydney, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was it. Was, it was close like to seventeen si- or yeah, eighteen? I think. Yeah, but somewhere yeah, around that. Massive. Yeah. It makes it for one exciting game. Yes, absolutely. Be you ready to get to Jiva? Yes, let's, let's do get it. To yeah, let's do it. Jiva mentor joining us just after this. Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast and as we mentioned before the break, we are very excited to have our next guest with us and again, this is someone who we've been wanting to get on the podcast, she has for (laughs) basically since the start, it's Jeeva Mentor. Jeeva, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, ladies. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm not trying to be elusive, just a, a busy bee. Well, that's right. Busy, busy. We, well, training should take priority, yeah, I think. Over our, over podcast. our podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and, and this is the thing, Jeeva, um, you are free now on, on a Wednesday morning, unfortunately, after that loss on the weekend. What what has this first week looked for you? What What's it like going from, you know, you're training every day until suddenly you're, you're not? I tell you what, it's been so bizarre. You've gone from, yeah, having this structure and having, I guess, purpose throughout the week to suddenly having all this free time that you suddenly fill up with time to catch up with all those people you put on the back burner and then suddenly you're busy again. But, yeah, everyone seems a little bit lost but yet busy. So 
it's a bizarre one. I've still been coming into the Holden Centre just doing some training just because I kind of feel like I need to sort of phase myself out into rest rather than just go complete stop. That's when you know you're getting old, isn't it? <laughs> you need to actually detrain. Bring yourself off it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the game on the weekend, G. Um, Obviously, it was a huge game for Magpies in round 14 when you had that win against the Vixens. And then it was pretty much the opposite result on the weekend. Take us through, you know, what's what's happened in the Magpies camp? Because we know it was such an awesome effort. How did you get yourself up for that first game against the Vixens, but then not be able to produce the same thing last week? Yeah, I guess firstly, obviously, it's disappointing not to go all the way through. We're absolutely sort of devastated, particularly with our first quarter. I think that really kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. But I think you have to kind of look at what we've been through, and particularly the last four weeks. And we've been riding a lot on passion and heart and getting us through. And um, when I kind of look back on what we've been through this season as a team, it's, it's everything from two, two ACLs to tragedy to heartbreak to broken ribs to people going on to general. to There's just been so many things on and off the course and even some personal stuff that probably can't really share because it is about the inner source, the inner sanctum. But it's amazing what what we managed to draw on, particularly over these last four weeks. And, and I guess when expectations aren't there anymore, you don't have them. You just go out there and you just play and you enjoy it. And that's kind of what's got us through um, when we started off in, over in Perth and then in Tassie and then obviously playing the Vixens first time up or the second time in the season. Um, and with our backs against the wall, we had no expectations. We just went in there and played. And I guess there's only so long that you can ride off that sort of emotion and heart and passion until it, it is draining and it fatigues you. And I think that first quarter definitely hit us like a slap in the face. Well, I want to kind of jump into it a little bit more, Jeeva, because, you know, the Mag- Magpies Netball Club is is really interesting, you know, for the, the existence of the club for the last three years. Um, probably haven't performed in the way they would have liked. When you arrived from Lightning, having such success up there, are there any significant differences that you've noticed that you felt you could influence having had those experiences up in Lightning? One of the first things I found interesting when I came in is that, oh, I thought maybe it was the culture and they weren't together as a team. But when I listened to what Maddie and some of the other girls had been doing, I said, it's exactly what we've been doing up at Lightning. They just weren't able to get the performances out on court at the time. And um, it's obviously externally you think everything's going wrong for them. But actually internally, things are all right. Things just weren't coming together on court when it actually mattered. And I think for us, the important thing or the main thing that we, we've kind of realised is we didn't have a brand or an identity as a team through this season and we've been trying to find our style of play throughout the season and whether you're the underdogs or whether you're the new team together or whether you're the experienced old heads, whatever it is, it's trying to find what brand you are and I think once we accepted that we've got youth, we've got experience, we've got different styles of play, not just players but coaching staff as well, um, we're able to find what worked for us and, and where our passion was and I guess find that love again for the sport and you start to see it in some of the girls, particularly towards the end of the season. We feel like we're in a, a great place now because we found out what our identity is that, yeah, when the back, your back's against the wall and everything's against you, you're able to kind of pull together and it's that heart that I guess would be missing all the way through when, yes, there was heart there, but I don't think it was the right sort of um, heart that brought the team together. And so I think that's been the pleasing thing, particularly over this season, um, is that we found our identity almost as a club and as a team going forward. 
I could tell that from, you know, watching from afar, um, especially the style of defence that you were playing. And, gee, you and I have had experience playing together in a certain way. But, you know, I think – I don't know if you'd put it down to someone like a Nicole Richardson, you know, the former Diamond. But she's a, a very strong defensive coach. And, and the way you had Brazzle, Revillian, Branley and yourself all coming together and playing a style that we probably haven't seen Magpies play before, but it was just so strong and working together as a group. Is that something that Nicole has influenced or has that been all of you as players coming together and creating that? Oh, I think Richo's definitely had a, a massive impact on that. And like with anything, it takes time. And I know you and I managed to click quite nicely in the circle there. And then for us, it wasn't just about having that unit in the circle. It was about building it out to the ones out in front. And you forget that we had uh, a dynamic before we went into the season. And then we lost Maddie mm. um, literally on the eve of the season. So we had to rejuggle our whole midcourt, which meant we're sort of finding our new rhythm again through those first early rounds. And, and that definitely impacted on what we were looking to do as a side where we're trying to build up that defensive unit. And yeah, finally, we managed to sort of put people back into those positions and, and I guess use their attributes and particularly having Ash in the middle and, and using her skill level in there and settling Ravi back into that wing defence position where she sort of started her play and, and played all pre-season with. I think that just meant that we were able to implement those structures that Richard brought in and and for us, defence is, is about having fun, going out there, seeing what you can do, but working together, not in isolation. And we're probably working a little bit in isolation throughout the first part of the season and middle of the season when you were interrupted with World Cup too. But then once we found our straps, we were able to connect back together and it was all about team and unit rather than us as individuals. Is that what it felt like, Jeeva, in the last couple of weeks? Let, let's look at the last couple of weeks in particular because, you know, I'm sure there's many people out there listening um, who play their sport on the weekend and sometimes you have something special and it all clicks and it all comes together and then sometimes it just doesn't and sometimes it's really difficult to kind of pick the whys and the hows that happened. Was there something significant that you felt during those two games that was the difference? I think with any coaches looking in, it's probably obviously the work rate makes a massive difference in what you're doing out there. But I think it's just having that trust in each other that you're doing your own job, you're playing your role um, and, and keep working. That Not everything's going to ha- go to plan. And I think that's a testament to some of the games we played where balls got through or we fell over, but we laughed at it. We enjoyed that moment and then we got on and got back to the plan. Whereas I think you can get so fixated on the final outcome and being so serious about what you're doing that you lose that heart and that passion and that that drive that actually gets you through. And we actually just started enjoying things. And defensively, you know the game's against you. This is an attacking game that we play. Um, And it's so just being able to find those little wins throughout and and knowing that, yeah, you're not going to get everything, but what you can do is a team effort out there. And I think that was the biggest shift. It amazes me, G, how well I can I see you play, considering we know that your body is getting older. And, you know, we know in the past you've had your own knee issues and injuries that you've dealt with. Um, how did you go personally, you know, having that World Cup in the middle? And we've spoken about the toll it's taken on players mentally, but I imagine as an older player physically, that would have been very hard. Yet you still came back and played your best netball at the second half of the season. You know what's quite funny is I turn up to training sessions and you've got some of these older girls, even some of the younger girls that are sat out because they've got niggles. And there's me still on there doing all the rotations. <laughs> you know what? I can actually say my body feels great and I felt great all the way through. Um, for me, the biggest impact was probably emotionally and sort of mentally coming back from World Cup where I was exhausted and probably didn't have um, 
the people, the structures around me to kind of support me through that. And people just expected me to go back in. And that was probably the hardest thing. And even that first game, little things like I forgot the speaker and I'm normally the one that brings the speaker in the changing rooms or little rituals <laughs> that we do before. It's just getting your head sort of sink back into the rest of your body and, and everything else. But yeah, for me, it was definitely probably a struggle more emotionally and, and mentally than it was physically. And touch wood, um, my body's been great and still is great. So new lease of life there. <laughs> <laughs> no retirement plans. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Can, oh. I, can I drag you back, B? No, you cannot drag me back. I just, I just like watching you play now and I just like to think about the good old days and we used to do it together. Are you not inviting me back, G? <laughs> you caused up too much damage there, Chad. <laughs> yeah, we had to train on you. It was harder. It was, um, G, I did want to ask you about the World Cup as well. You alluded to it then. Take us back into the England camp because it was, for, for more reports, I mean, we didn't get to experience it um in, in person over there, but it sounds like it was an incredible environment to be in. What, was it a significant shift for you in terms of how netball was embraced in that time? 100%. And I think obviously like we play in the best league in the world. Suncourt Super Netball has the best environment, the most sort of ratings, following. Um, so you have those big crowds and you have that interest around the sport you play. I've never experienced anything in almost my 20 years of playing anything like what I experienced in Liverpool. Really? The, the intensity around it all was so overwhelming, um, in a good way. Um, obviously, the interest off the back of Commonwealth Games um, on the Gold Coast, and then the fact that it was sort of, um, women's sports with our Lionesses going well. Um, and it was just a big buzz around it all. But then the netball of it all, we had we stayed in our hotel, and once, once fans figured out where we were staying, we used to have 100 plus people outside the hotel waiting for us to leave for our games. And once we boarded our cars, they ran up to the cars, they were filming, then they ran down the road. I've never <laughs> experienced um, an atmosphere quite like it. And it was like you felt the pressure, you felt the nerves. It was very overwhelming, but it was also very humbling as well that netball had taken a massive shift. And I didn't realise how big the sport actually was in the UK. And I guess what we were able to do on the Gold Coast had shifted that and then had sort of put netball on, on the map. Did all that extra attention and you said it was a bit overwhelming did that add extra pressure to you guys do you think I think it definitely meant that we had to address things um and little things like we couldn't you don't want to have cabin fever and stay in your hotel the whole time but trying to find ways to be able to get out and get some fresh air and meet your friends and family without being bothered or hassled which is obviously very humbling but then you just need that time to switch off so there are definitely things we had to address as a side and definitely the pressure from game one stepping out and the crowd were absolutely roaring and right behind us all that was also overwhelming too so um, there was an adjustment phase but once we sort of settled into what we're doing and that whistle went then um, then we, we were definitely sort of um, in the right sort of preparation and, and in the right theme of, and mind for that all but yeah it was um there definitely was some pressure around that but I think the main thing for us is we we spoke about it before as a side that we wanted to enjoy the journey and yes it's eight games in 10 days but every time that we sort of prepare and step out there we wanted to enjoy that and I think we only lost two quarters of the whole tournament unfortunately those two quarters were in the Silver Ferns game that set us up for would have been a, a gold medal final. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Did the, the avoidance of that sort of thing, did it include disguises? Am I right in saying that? <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys dressing up in cognito and then leaving we, the hotel? We did joke about sort of different things that we could wear, but, yeah, some of the girls definitely sort of had the, the caps on, the hoodies up, the glasses on. Unfortunately, me of my braids and the height yeah, I am. You can't hide really at all. Incognito there, but some of the other girls we sent out for the coffee run. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but, um, the... 
you talk about that pressure that you guys felt and then you're only losing those two quarters, but that meant that you didn't make it through to the final. I'm interested in how the group felt about the experience because off the back of that gold medal win at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, um, did, did you feel like not making that final was a failure of sorts or were you could you still kind of embrace the experience and, and be happy with it? Yeah, I think obviously you're really disappointed for not uh, reaching the goal that you wanted. Um, but I think that we could reflect and think back and be happy with the position we were in and what we were achieving was more than just what we wanted personally to achieve. And that was obviously a gold medal. But for us, it was a bigger picture about we've raised the profile of netball in the UK. Now it's about having that, building that legacy around it and, and trying to come out with a medal. And thankfully, we were able to come away with a medal and the nation still got behind us and still saw that as a, as a positive and an, a great achievement. So I think that was definitely vital for us, that it wasn't just all this talk and then we missed out and come out fourth or even below that. We still came away with a medal. Obviously, once the gold medal had been removed from the table, we were. We were gutted. And for me, I think I just knew all the way through the tournament it was about building to that game. And we all knew how important it was. Um, but, I mean, Tracy came around to us um, after the game in the change room and just gave us all a big hug, which just showed the care. Like, obviously, we all had this one dream and an ideal, but at the end of the day, we're still people and we are still there supporting each other and we still had a job to do. And I think that job was to finish off the competition in the right light and that was a win and come away with, with a medal. Away from the court, you've been doing some fabulous things. Not only have you written a book, Leap, can you tell us actually firstly, where can anyone buy that book if they haven't got it already? Yes. So um, most Dimmick stores um, are stocking it. And if not, then you can order through them. And I think it will be in pretty much next day. Um, And for those that are all online, they can get through Booktopia or the Book Depository if you're worldwide um, or um, Amazon if you're in the UK. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Never something that I thought I'd I'd ever do. Um, Very daunting, putting everything um, out there um, from personal life to professional life as well. But, um, yeah, it's one of those achievements that I'm um, quite chuffed with. And another achievement, you're awarded a CBE, so the Commander of the British Empire in the New Year's Honours. Tell us what that means and, you know, what actually happens now with that? Yeah, so I got notified just before Christmas last year and it came out in the New Year's Honours list and um, I had to kind of do a bit more research. Obviously, you know about it, but you don't quite know the, um, I guess, the importance of it all and where it relates. And for me, looking back, obviously, it's a personal accolade and I find it very hard to receive personal accolades in my player team sport. But for me, I realise that it's, it's more than just about me. It's about... Um, what I'm doing for this sport, what I'm doing for my teammates, but importantly for my family as well. And, and that's where um, it's sort of the biggest achievement. And so, yeah, unfortunately, I was unable to pick up my CBE during May because we had the season. Um, but I'm actually heading back to the UK in November. So 5th of November, I head back and hopefully get to meet the Queen, visit Buck- Buckingham Palace and, and pick up my CBE. And, um, yeah, totally humbled by the whole idea of it all, let alone being awarded it. And it's something that I definitely share, not just with... Um, teams and people that I've been involved with, but also my family too. Yeah, well, congratulations on that, Jeeva. It's so well-deserved and really exciting. Before we let you go, let us know um, what you are, are doing now. As, as you said, there's a bit of an adjustment time. You're just kind of easing yourself out of the <laughs> daily, training. daily training <laughs> environment. But what, what happens next for the rest of the year for you when you're gearing up for another big season? Um there's changes to the coaching staff at the English Roses. What what kind of does life look like for you over the next few months? 
Yeah, so obviously wrapping up with Magpies and very much looking forward to some much-needed time off through October. So I have the travel bug. I'll go off travelling by myself, which will be wonderful. Um, try and find some warmer weather as well. Um, <laughs> and then I actually, because it's obviously the start of the new four-year cycle, um, I've been speaking to Jess, Jess, our New England coach, and um, she's been able to sort of award me the, the time off for a little bit. So I'll take some time to sort of focus on myself and my club with Magpies, um, take some time down from, from England for the next sort of six months or so and then look to reintroduce myself back into the programme hopefully after the season next year. So I think for now it's all about just having some fun again, making the most of the off time because I feel like it's been a 12-year cycle for me of non-stop netball. Um, yeah. Well, after 12 years, uh, G, you definitely deserve yes, a break. One so. epic holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little break. So we're wrapped that that is the case. Very much looking forward to what you can continue to bring to netball because you are just such a superb ambassador here in Australia and all over the world for netball. We're very, very lucky to have been your teammates and now to enjoy what you continue to do from afar. Jeeva Mentor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Cheryl. Thanks, Dee. Well, there you have it, Jeeva Mentor, joining us finally on the Inner Circle podcast. We've been chasing a few uh, big names around the place, so it's been great to to chat to her. And I just, you know, I said at the end there, she is such a great ambassador, but she genuinely is both on and off the court. She is... Uh, I always hear it from people who have any interaction with her, just how fantastic she is. Yeah, and one of the nicest people, but also one of the calmest. It didn't matter if mm. it was a grand final or whatever. In the change rooms, Jeeva would be always one that would be like, oh, it's okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> She'd be asleep on the ground next to you while you're strapping your ankles because that's just how she prepares. She's just so calm, cool and collected, and I love watching her still dominating. Uh, yeah, it's a bit cheeky too, I've got to say. <laughs> Off the court, that's for sure. So, Bianca, um, I you probably can't make any predictions about this weekend. We've got the Vixens and the Swifts. Um, what is your call on which way it will go? Uh, I think the Vixens will win, and I'm not just saying that as a former player. I'm saying that because I think the game that both the Swifts and the Vixens played last weekend, if you go off just purely that performance, the Vixens have to win if they can produce that again. Um, we hope they do. Uh, I would love to uh, come up to the grand final if Vixens are playing Lightning. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> but I think it's going to be a really close one. Uh, I know the Vixens haven't beaten the Swifts all year, but I think it's going to be very similar to what you did against the Magpies. So mm-hmm. a close game at the end. And don't forget, everyone, no extra time or just the get up by two. Just the get up <laughs> by two. That's the uh, that's the key to remember that. Okay. Um, there are many ways to listen to us, Bianca. Uh, many ways. Spotify. No. iTunes. <laughs> is that right? Spotify? <laughs> no, Sherelle, that's not right. You live in the dark I, keep, I keep forgetting what it is. Okay. So You're you can go the to iTunes. Specialist. Okay, thank you. You can go to RSN website. Actually, we'll just post about it all. Yeah, we'll post yeah. it. And we forgot keep actually to get reviews. the update on um, the ratings, but I think we've still... A lot of five stars and one four star. Only one five four <laughs> star. So give us a rating if you feel the need. B, until next week. Oh, it's getting exciting, Shaz. <laughs>